It is human instinct to want to protect ourselves from suffering, and in many ways, we can. We make many decisions that affect the possibilities for the future. Consider the topics of finance, or of health, or relationships. We often make decisions on these topics with an eye toward lessening or preventing our suffering. But on matters of life and death, and even on the matter of eternal life, there are aspects of the outcome that are beyond our control. The fictional story of Job and the true teachings of Jesus both highlight that even our best behavior, even our wisest decisions, don't necessarily guarantee a successful outcome. This hit home for me when my father was diagnosed with kidney cancer when he was just 54 years old, which metastasized into lung cancer by the time he was 55. Healthy living? He had done that. Good doctors? He had the best. Contribution to the community? Well, not only was he a Methodist minister, but his work in civic organizations as well as religious ones had been huge. And his community contributions did not come at the expense of his family, which is a notable achievement. I remember the summer that he died, he was reading an article that he found in a magazine, and the person who was interviewed had 14 grandchildren. My father said to me and my two sisters, girls, I want 14 grandchildren. Well, I knew that my one sister who had one had declared herself finished, and my other sister who had three had declared herself finished, and Michael and I had three, and so I told my dad, I'm sorry, I'm not having seven more kids. <laughs> It was only one month later that my family was gathered around my father's hospital bed, watching the monitor that kept track of his breathing and heart rate. There was nothing more that could be done. Our goal was to lessen and eliminate his suffering, even though we knew it was just the beginning of our own. We stepped up to the edge of the bed when the space between the heartbeats lengthened. And when the lines went flat, I instinctively rubbed his chest. And for a moment, a heartbeat appeared on the monitor again. And I remember thinking in a fleeting second, you know, I'll just stand here all the rest of the days of my life and rub his chest. The loss of someone so young was completely unfair. I remember some months later, my mom told me that she was listening to a woman complain about her marriage and how happy, unhappy she was with her husband. And my mom thought, why couldn't her husband die? They're not even happy together. Why aren't matters of life and death, and death built into a more fair system? This is a question each of us has considered especially if we feel like we've gotten the short end of the stick. This is the question that the book of Job addresses. Job, a righteous man 
is visited by Satan and slowly loses everything, his wealth, his friends, his family, even his health. Throughout all 42 chapters, the question is, why is this happening to you since you are righteous? In the end of the story, he gets it all back, including his family, which doesn't make sense, but that is how the story goes. The question of how life and death can be built into a more fair system is also what is reflected in our gospel lesson today. The young man comes to Jesus and asks what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. He has kept all the commandments. What more is there to do? And Jesus, looking at him in love, says, go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor and come follow me. When Jesus goes on to say that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, the disciples look around at each other and say, then none of us are getting in. But Peter goes on to say, well, maybe we can get into heaven because Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. We've done what you told us to do. So have we done what we need to do in order to get in? Jesus' answer to both those that have money and those that have left everything is that it is God's to decide. We cannot be saved by our own practices of righteous living. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. But it is not impossible for God. For God, all things are possible. God can save us. I must confess that I am glad to not have the responsibility of matters of life and death. I'm glad that issues of eternity do not rest on my righteous living. I cannot imagine, or perhaps it's because I can imagine, the difficulty of trying to keep up with every detail of my own life and the lives of the people that I love in order to make certain that we are living lives worthy of God's acceptance. I think I would be like Job's wife, who said to him, this must be happening to you because of something you've done. Go back and look at your life again. There has got to be something that you can change or confess to make sure that no more bad stuff happens to you, and thus no more bad stuff happens to me. Although there are days that I think I would like this power, I know that ultimately it would be too much to bear. I would have felt the weight of having to decide whether or not I should have stayed at my father's bedside and rubbed his chest or go on living the days of my life. The responsibility would be overpowering and I would not live a life of joy. I would live a life of fear and worry. But I can live a joyful life because God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent in punishing. I commit to righteous living because the one that I love, Jesus Christ, has already taken on the burden of the decision 
of life and death. And it is God that looks on us in love. And love is merciful. And love is gracious. It only wants for us the best. When I witness people withhold things from God, I think they must not know that God loves them and the magnitude of that love. Did the man in today's gospel, did he see how Jesus looked at him when he told him to sell what he owned? Did he see that Jesus looked at him in love? Perhaps he did. Perhaps his grief as he went away was not because he decided that he would keep all of his possessions, but because he had decided to give them away. And he knew that it was going to be hard. He knew it was going to be hard to give it all away. He liked his stuff, but he was changed by Jesus' love. Perhaps he knew that even though he wanted eternal life with God, parting with his stuff was going to be difficult. There would be some grief in letting go. But the gospel lesson of today and the fictional story of Job reminds us that God blesses us a hundredfold. A year after my father died, my mother remarried. My stepfather was a widower who had lost the love of his life to an aneurysm just 18 months before. I must confess that my mom and stepfather's wedding was somewhat surreal. My stepsisters looked at each other, my sisters and I looked at each other, and then we all looked at each other and seemed to say, what is going on here? <laughs> we have a family photo on the boat where the reception took place. And there's my mom with her three daughters and their spouses and seven grandchildren. And there's my stepfather with his two daughters and their spouses and six grandchildren, 13 grandchildren. The 14th grandchild could not be seen as I was only a month pregnant with Millicent. When I look at that picture, I think perhaps there is something to the story of Job after all. Maybe Jesus' true words, that those who give up everything to follow him will receive it all back exponentially, maybe those true words of Jesus really are true. I cannot explain the mercy of God. I cannot explain the grace of God. I cannot explain the love of God. Even as a priest, I cannot explain to you how to get God's grace, mercy, and love. But the reason I can't explain it is that we can't get them. God's grace, mercy, and love are God's to give. And as a priest in this church, I can tell you that God expresses mercy, grace, and love as we give ourselves over in love of him. Amen.